Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the June 19th edition of the Basement Academy, or Juneteenth. June 19th, 1865, when the Emancipation Proclamation that dated back to January 1st, 1863, made its way to Galveston, Texas, and there uh, the slaves were emancipated, uh, and, and so it's a day of freedom and, and rejoicing, and so let us commit ourselves to the cause of justice and freedom in all ways. And for those who are enjoying the holiday, I pray that you will enjoy this well and appropriately. Um, just a couple of administrative announcements. The Cavaliers did not do well in the College World Series, and so life moves on. Um, you may have heard about uh, some fire trucks at the church yesterday afternoon. Uh, uh, folks were decorating for Vacation Bible School, which begins tonight. There was some vapor, looked like smoke, maybe condensation coming out of the vents. Little concern about that. So uh, in precaution, called the fire department. Everything's fine. And so if you hear about that, um, all everybody did the right thing. And so encouraged by that. And Vacation Bible School invites you to come tonight. And so at five o'clock in Fellowship Hall, uh, dinner for all ages. And then kids at six o'clock will head off uh, to the sanctuary uh, for their activities. And then I'll take the adults over to the chapel. If you just want to come at six uh, for the uh, evening study and games, come on over. And so Monday to Friday this week, uh, Vacation Bible School. If you can't come, please pray. Okay. All right. Well, let's continue on with our, um, our study of uh, tithing and where our treasure is. But I want to read Psalm 49 and listen to the language here. It's a psalm that basically says you can't take it with you. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how prosperous you are on earth. Eventually, uh, we each have an appointment with a grave and God will redeem us from the grave. You can't buy your way out of out of the grave. And so Psalm 49. <clears throat> Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. <clears throat> like sheep, they are destined for the grave and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. 
Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Mm. <clears throat> Sobering. We each have an appointment with a grave. and We cannot buy our way out of that appointment. You can buy your way out of a lot of things in life, right? If you got enough money, but you can't buy yourself out of this one. And so just a, a, a sobering reminder, doesn't matter how prosperous, how wealthy you are in life, you must be right with God. <clears throat> so um, I offer Psalm 49 to you. Okay, we have been talking about, for the last uh, three weeks now, this is our fourth week, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The power of money in our lives, etc. cetera. Um, and then talking about tithing the last few days, uh, you know, uh, last week. And so looked at the Genesis background, Abraham giving spontaneously out, out of gratitude and, and, and God's favor to him. He responds a tenth of all things. Jacob, his grandson, similarly has a response uh, after his dream at Bethel. And, and so uh, before you get to the law of Moses, you have the father of the faithful, the faithful family, the chosen ones, giving a tithe, bringing from the fruit of their labor all that they have and, and presenting and offering to tribute and devotion and gratitude to God. Then the law of Moses, as the community starts to form, Abraham's family now has grown and multiplied. They're out of Egypt. They're out of slavery. They're becoming a people. Uh, there's a worship tabernacle uh, that has been constructed. And you've got one of the tribes, the Levites, who are tasked with the logistics and care uh, for the tabernacle and then worship. And so the tithe is brought from the other 11 tribes that they would bring the fruit of their labor from the fruit of their fields, etc., And they would make sure that the um, Levites are provided for. And so, and so tithing has its roots in Father Abraham in, in gratitude to God, but, but it is so that the community may function well because worship is at the heart of what it means to be God's people. And so worship isn't a peripheral thing, it's a central thing. And tithing is central to that so that those who lead worship are cared for as well as widows, orphans, and the poor. And so the, the vision is that God's people would bring uh, in gratitude to God, following Father Abraham, and in obedience to the, to the law of Moses, they would bring the, the, the tithe in, and they would participate there. They would eat in the presence of the Lord. But this is so that the community would be strong, that, um, uh, that, 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 that those who are anywhere near and connected to the community uh, of God's people would be blessed. <clears throat> I want to read from Malachi now. Malachi is a, he's a prophet, uh, last book of the Old Testament. And Malachi is a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah. After the exile's over, God has sent them into exile in Babylon because of their idolatry and injustice. 
over a period of centuries, worship uh, in Israel declined. God raised up the Babylonians. The temple is destroyed. The people are taken to exile. And then God raises up um, a decree um, Cyrus and Darius, they, they make these decrees that the temple would be rebuilt. <clears throat> Ezra and Nehemiah give early leadership and Malachi sitting alongside speaking as well. Malachi issues a series of uh, rebukes and reproofs, though the exile's over and the temple has been rebuilt, things are not going well. Uh, the people are half-hearted in their worship. The priests and Levites are inattentive. Um, uh, they're violating the commands around uh, intermarriage. The Israelites are only supposed to marry within the family, uh, that is within the, uh, the community of faith, the chosen ones, not, uh, not with the Gentiles. Um, they're casual towards their own marriages. Divorce uh, is, um, uh, is um, practiced, I guess is the way to say it. <clears throat> There's some strong language, I hate divorce. And then God, through Malachi, rebukes them around tithing, okay? And so some really strong language here. Malachi chapter three, beginning verse six. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. See, God preserved them, he, he cares. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Return to me, God says. Don't just return to the land, but return to me. Well, how do we return to you? And then he says, quit robbing me. Bring the tithe. I am providing for you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse and just watch what happens. I will open the floodgates of heaven. And so this passage is often uh, cited in stewardship campaigns, right? I like the way we're doing it right now. We're just studying the scripture. We're not hooked to any campaign. I'm not trying to get money out of you. We're trying to talk about God's plan and purpose from, from scripture. Um, also, this passage is cited by the prosperity gospel um, uh, preachers <clears throat> that God is obligated to bless you if you give. And of course, they don't want you to go to your local church and give. They want you to give to their particular ministry, right? And if you give to our ministry, God promises you a blessing. Don't believe that stuff, okay? <clears throat> Hold that prosperity gospel. 
um, at, at arm's length. <clears throat> this God is concerned for our hearts. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And one of the things we humans struggle with is not feeling like we have enough. We've already talked about that, right? How much is enough? Just a little bit more. John Rockefeller, the wealthiest uh, American uh, at the time said, and it's a question we all have to confront. How much is enough? So if you've been on some, been on down on your luck, so to speak, coming back from exile, the people are, I've got to, I've got to take the, the produce of the field, whatever I can scratch out. I'm scratching out a living. I don't, I can't give 10%. I can't go give 10% to the church. I can't bring 10% to the temple. And, and Malachi says, you're robbing God. Well, it's not like God needs your money, right? God doesn't need our money. This is not what, tithing is not about that. Tithing is not God being greedy. Tithing is about God knows how we will function best. Then when we make weekly worship central to our lives, when we make going to the house of God central, then we will organize our lives around that reality. We organize our week around worship. We worship on the first day of the week. We, we kind of get our priorities straight. And so it's coming to church. And as you come to church, we come as the father of the faithful Abraham. We come with gratitude for his provision and his favor and his blessing in our lives. And we come to see that the church, as it were, the household of faith is well-stocked, well-provided for, okay? Now, in other economies, agrarian economies, as Israel was, you bring the produce of the field, and there the Levites and priests and those who have not are able to be sustained and supported. But it's about the centrality of worship. God knows that when we gather in worship, we're gathering in community, we're hearing the word, we're singing the songs, we're lifting our prayers, we're sharing in fellowship, we're eating. For us, it would be eating the Lord's Supper. We're celebrating baptism. The sacraments are, are, are being um, um, celebrated and honored and we're remembering God's salvation and God's redemption. And so our lives are better when we organize ourselves around obedience to his word and organize ourselves around gathered worship. But when you're scratching out a living, you don't feel like I have time to go to church and I, I certainly can't take all that money to church. And so there's a parallel between Sabbath keeping and tithing. Both of them wrap around this notion of do I have enough? Can I have enough? Will I have enough? And so in Sabbath keeping, we take one day out of seven and we stop our work. And, and it's like, well, I, 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 I don't have time to stop work. I, I need to work more to get more money or to get more, you know, crops um, in, in ancient Israel. And so Sabbath keeping is to time what tithing is to money and material wealth. Sabbath keeping is to time. I set aside one day in seven where I stop working and I give my attention to worship and I give my attention to God and I give my attention to my faith and I am renewed. And so Sabbath keeping is to time what tithing is to money. In tithing, we set aside 10% and we bring that 
to the Lord. In Sabbath, there are pe- many of us don't keep Sabbath, and I've confessed my sin, right? I, I've been a, a habitual Sabbath breaker. I'm, I've tried to amend that. I'm in a, I am amending it. But I'm not going to have enough time to get everything done if I, if I take one day out of the week and I don't work at all. I'm not going to have enough time. The same thing happens with tithing. I'm not going to have enough money. If I bring 10%, if I bring 10% to church, I'm not going to have enough money to live on. And Malachi says, test me in this. Or God says through Malachi, test me in this. Test me in this. Just watch. You obey. Watch what I will do. The, the testimony of the folks I know who tithe is significant. Every one of them says, can't explain it, but I've, I've never had more money. And I've never, things have never gone better for me since I committed to tithing and bringing a full 10%. And there are some who bring more than that, right? So I did the math. <clears throat> We've got 236 member households, another 232 member households, 36 non-member households who regularly contribute. Um, I asked Joy for the data. I don't know who gives what, just the number of people who contribute regularly, okay? So I'm gonna take the number 268. There are others who do contribute. We think of them as visitors who pass through, family visiting from out of town, and so they get a contribution letter, but we're not gonna bring them into this equation. But 268, 270-ish, households who regularly contribute to Greenwich Presbyterian Church. If you just take the median household income for Prince William County, I know this is going to be a ballpark number because some of you, when I say the number, you're going to say, I'm not making that much money, but it's $113,831. 113831. Okay. And so um, that's that's our ballpark number, median household income. If you take the 236 member households, let's just leave the non-members out of it. If every one of those folks brought 10% of their income, which would be 11,383, we would have $2,686,000 received at Greenwich every year. That's just from the member households. When you add the non-member households who are regularly contributing, so that 268, it moves over $3 million, 3,050,000 with some change there at the end. So between 2.6, almost 2.7 and a little over $3 million received if everybody at Greenwich tithed every uh, year, that would be every year. Now, our current budget is $1.41 million. So we're talking about nearly doubling our budget or more every year. What would we do with the extra $1.3 to $1.5, $1.6 million? Well, I'm not looking for a raise. We're not looking to add a bunch of staff. We would give that money we would support more missionaries. We would be able to do things in the community. 
And that's just one little church. And I, I did the thought exercise with you. What if all the churches around us in Prince William County and Fauquier County did this? Now, I know those are ballpark numbers. Some of you are not making $113,000 a year. Some of you are making significantly more than that. And that's how the median works, right? So, so that's just a good number to kind of get a scale for this thing. So two and a half to $3 million is what Greenwich probably ought to be receiving every year if we all tithe. But in our minds, we think, I, I, I can't do that. I have commitments. I have obligations that I've made. And so we're going to talk about that for the next couple of days. Why don't we tithe? I wanted to go through the biblical background for this. And then we'll talk about some practical reality. So let's close here. Let's hear both the reproof of Malachi, but the promise of Malachi. Test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. You'll have more. You'll have so much you won't even have room for it all, God says uh, through Malachi. And so let's, let's do our best to believe him in this, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your abundant provision of our lives. And so lead us into a deeper faithfulness as Abraham was faithful, as the people of God at their best were faithful and lead us to a place of trust and dependence that you are a faithful God who will not only provide for our needs, but you will provide more than we need as we uh, obey you and honor you in this. And so bless Greenwich, bless our sister churches, bless our lives, our homes, that we might see your name lifted high here and to the farthest corners. And so we make our prayer now in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God give you a heart that trusts him in all things and just watch how he blesses you in all things. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.